welcome all of our campuses to a very special and exciting weekend. I'm Pastor Steve. We are so honored to have you with us. Come on. Can we just welcome all those campuses? Man, we're excited to have you guys. So I want to let everybody know uh, the Bible talks about be ready in season. Everyone say in season and say out of season. So things happen. And things happen in life and things happen in church. And so I got a call yesterday uh, at seven in the morning uh, from Pastor Jimmy Evans's assistant. Uh, and as a matter of fact, it's the first time it's ever happened, 22 years of the church, uh, and said, Pastor Steve, I'm so sorry, but Pastor Jimmy's been up all night, extremely sick, uh, and he didn't go to the hospital, but he was extremely sick all night. Uh, and he's unable to come this weekend. Now, my first thought is, that's fine. We've just promoted him to thousands of people all over the United States. He's gonna go but no problem. I'm going to make it happen. I mean, that's my first thought. Can I just be honest? Sheesh. But anyway, so, but things happen. People get sick. And, uh, and so I called our team yesterday morning, and uh, we went through different options, and resoundingly, uh, we came back with what we believe is the best option. You guys are in for a real, real trade. I want to say two things before I introduce our guest speaker today. Number one, we will still be doing Pastor Jimmy Evans. This book, The Four Laws of Love, is phenomenal. I want to tell everybody, every one of our campuses, get in one of these Four Laws of Love small groups. You can sign up right after the service. Of course, you can go online. This is through Pastor Jimmy Evans' curriculum. It's eight weeks, short video, 10 minutes of him uh, teaching, uh, and then the facilitation of discussion. It is amazing. Number two, uh, next week, I will be continuing in our series on the Beatitudes, week number seven. How many of y'all been enjoying that series? Anybody? So excited about that. I'm going to do week seven, week eight, then I'm going to do a four-week series on the Holy Spirit. So today... Uh, when we met with our team yesterday, we all resoundingly said the best speaker that we know uh, that potentially could come on a spur of the moment uh, to talk about marriage uh, is my pastor, Pastor Jacob Ranza. He's written books on marriage. He's done seminars. He's spoken in our church for many, many years, a lot of different times on marriage. One of the best seminars I've ever heard is Marriage on the Rock, uh, that he talks about the five needs of a man, five needs of a woman in marriage. And so I, I called my pastor yesterday, uh, and I said, Pastor, I, we need some help. Uh, this has never happened before, 22 years, uh, where we've had a guest speaker that's canceled. And by the way, I talked to Pastor Jimmy. He's doing better. Uh, and so we need you to come. And he says, I've been up since 4.30 in the morning, not praying for you, but preparing my message for the church that I happen to pastor. <laughs> he pastors a multi-site church in Lafayette, 10,000 people, our Savior's church, an incredible church. So he said... I want to say this again. I've been up since 4.30 in the morning preparing the message that I'm preaching at the church that I pastor, that God gave me. But what are you asking me again? I'm saying, I'm asking you to lay that aside. <laughs> I know God has spoken to you a transformational word that'll change 10,000 people and laugh yet, but, but those are Cajun people. We need more of the gospel over here. <laughs> and so, no. And so I said to him, I said, would you please come? And he says... I will do it for you. We love Church of the King. So my pastor, those of you that don't know, those of you that go through step one, we have a board, an internal board of people, uh, business people in our church that sit on our board of trustees, but we also have two spiritual overseers. Many of you know Pastor Jim LaFoon. He preaches here once a year. And then my pastor, Pastor Jacob as well, uh, that preaches here about every year, every 18 months. So he has graciously said yes. You guys are going to love this message. And so I'm going to ask all of you, all of our campuses, Baton Rouge, Biloxi, South Shore, Little Creek, come on, let's all stand up. Let's welcome my pastor, Pastor Jacob Arenza. Wow. Wow, stay, stay, stay standing. I haven't seen this many people standing since the last time I went to court. This many white people, it's, it's impressive. I mean, it is impressive. You may be seated. Uh, I wanted to start off by saying, hello, my name is Jaime Evans. <laughs> uh, I mean, I am a Mexican from Lafayette, originally from Houston, and I'm replacing like a big, like John Wayne-ish 
honky from, you know, and, uh, but, but it is, I, I want to say before I, I share, first of all, yes, um, I was supposed to be speaking to our precious people who have experienced hurricanes and floods and, and all of those things. But how many of you know your pastor can get you to do things you never thought you would do? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I have, it's been my privilege and my honor to be Pastor Steve's pastor for 25 years. And I want to share something with you. I want you to listen carefully to what I'm going to say. When God gives you a gift, it doesn't come in a check. It doesn't come as a deposit into your bank account. Most of you didn't get the stimulus anyways, just like me. <laughs> it comes wrapped in flesh and blood. Because the greatest gift that God ever sent us, he sent in flesh and blood. His name was Jesus. And I want to tell you, one of the great joys of my life, it has been an adventure ever since I met your pastor 25 years ago when I was the chaplain for the New Orleans Saints and God connected us together and he was a waiter at an Italian restaurant. And it has been one of the great joys of my life to walk alongside him, to be a pastor to him, to be a spiritual father to him, and to watch God do everything he's done. You are a blessed people, and I am blessed to have him as a covenant friend. Well, I am probably the least qualified person in America to speak on marriage. No, really. No, I'm not being humble. I'm like being honest. Like my father was married five times. Each woman he was married after her, he had been married two or three times. My mom was married two times. The man she married after him, my dad was been married seven times. And they divorced. I have more relatives than Alex Haley's in Roots. I don't have a family tree. I have a family bush. As a matter of fact, several of those wives were white, so I could be related to you. Hi, I'm from the dark side of the family. But all of that being said, there is no reason in the world why I should be any kind of an expert on anything related to marriage. It wasn't what I knew. It wasn't what I experienced. It wasn't what I saw. I would never want to replicate my family of origin. But for the grace of God and the power of this book right here. And not only that, but listen to me, spiritual family, people that loved me enough, small groups that I was connected to, pastors that were in my life, leaders and mentors, but for the grace of God in that encounter, I would be another statistic and tragedy like the most of the people that began with the same family of origin that I experienced. But today, we're going to talk about how to spend a lifetime together. Come on. How many of you are happily married? Come on. Okay. The rest of you are just happy you're married. <laughs> Today, we want to take a peek at the first wedding that ever took place. God officiated this ceremony, and it's found in Genesis chapter 2, Let's start reading at verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for a man to be what? Okay. If you took that word and you hyphenated it, it would say all one. So in essence, when God saw all of man in one, he said, that's not good. He had said everything else that he created was good. He created the stars, the sky, the moon, all of it. And he said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. But when he saw man standing alone, he said, something's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. And so God put man to sleep, and he actually performed surgery, and he took part of man out, starting with his rib. Then he took the part of him out that was tender. Come on, man, we love that. The part that was gentle. Come on, man, we love that. The part that was soft. The part that was very, very emotional. Now let's get to the other part. And other parts. So that man would never be one again. 
until he was one with that part that had been removed from him. Then he goes on to say this, I'll make a helper. Say that with me, a what? A helper, a helpmate, not a jailmate, not a cellmate, and not a hellmate. A helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to man to see what he would call them. And whatever he called them, the man chose each name for each one. And he gave names to all the livestock and all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals, but still there was not found no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while the man slept, the Lord God took one of the man's ribs and closed up its openings. Then the Lord made woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken out of a man. This explains why, why. All this is leading up to the why. A man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall be united as one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. They felt no shame. In the beginning of creation, you discover the ultimate intention of God. You know, one of the uniquenesses of life is that if you don't understand the purpose of a thing, you abuse it. Now, let me just do a little survey, okay? How many of you have ever used something very foolish for a hammer? Anybody here ever use a shoe? Anybody here ever use something made of glass? Of course. Anytime you don't understand the purpose of a thing, you abuse it. I want to ask you a question. What is the purpose of marriage? And then I want to go back and bring and introduce another idea to you. One that no matter where you live, whether you're in Atlanta or Baton Rouge, whether you're in the New Orleans area, it doesn't matter where you are and you're watching, this applies to you. Not only understanding what the purpose of marriage is, because if you don't understand the purpose of it, you abuse it. But here's the most important part. How many of you went to school? Raise your hand. How many proud graduates of college do we have? How many of you did graduate from LSU, but you graduated from Tigertown? You, you might have got a BA or a, a whatever you got, but you got a PhD of Tigertown. It doesn't matter what school you went to, all of us, you work hard and you proudly display that degree. This passage tells us that there is a degree that's more important than anything that you will ever put on your wall. You, you know what I have a degree in? I have a PhD in Michelle Aranza. And that PhD controls more of the quality of my life than any other thing that I could ever put on my wall for the rest of my life. I have two degrees. I have a degree in knowing God and I have a degree in knowing Michelle Aranza. And when I am near the end of my life, that degree will bear more significance and more fruitfulness and more peace and more prosperity to my children and grandchildren than any other accomplishment of my entire life. For there is nothing that can replace the quality of an amazing marriage. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you know. I don't care what president you've been with. Is that okay? If you agree, say, yes, I agree. Now, what, what's so amazing about that is I, I'm a hunter. How many hunters do we have here? Come on, what do the rest of y'all do? I mean, do you, I, I thought in order to be a member of this church, you had to hunt. How, how many of you catch fish? Okay, let me just visit the zoo. Okay, well, 
Do, do you know that in order to get a hunting license in the state of Louisiana, you have to go through three weekend courses? Okay, and then you go to a weekend where they teach you how to shoot a gun. In order to get a driver's license, you have to go six or seven weeks of driving with someone right beside you the whole time, and then you got to take this real hard test and you hope you pass it. Do you know that in order to get a marriage license, all you have to do is show up with another human being, male or female, that's kind of breathing? Of all of the issues that people talk about, gun control or some sort of weapon control, there have been more people that have been damaged and hurt and wounded throughout the duration of their life because of the marriage that they experienced growing up than ever were harmed by any weapon. So look at me. How much money do you have in the bank? Oh, you know, don't act like you don't know. That's what I love about Pastor Steve. I go, Pastor Steve, how many people did y'all have last weekend? Oh, I don't know. Pastor Steve, how many people did y'all have? 7,393, 4,200 at the Little Creek. I mean, he just knows. Okay, many of us know that. You know how much money you have in the bank. You know what's in your retirement account. You know what you're dispersing. You know what this expense is or that expense. Can I ask you the most important question of your life? How educated are you in the very thing that is going to determine the entire destiny and quality of not only your life, but your children and your grandchildren. That's your marriage. Today, I want to share with you four principles that I've discovered on taking marriage and building a firm foundation. But let me answer the first question I began with. What is the purpose of marriage? Because if you don't understand the purpose of a thing, you abuse it. What's the purpose of marriage? How many of you would like to know the answer? How many of you would like to give an answer? Okay. How many of you have been looking for 50 years for that answer with one person? Congratulations. Let, let me share with you. The purpose of marriage is is that God loved Michelle Aranza so much that he gave her to Jacob Aranza so that he could show her how much he loved her through me. In other words, God loved Jacob Aranza so much that he took me out of a bar in the Mexican ghetto of Houston and a barmaid mama and a broken life and family, and he said, I'm going to take him and I'm going to give him to a woman who he totally doesn't deserve, and I'm going to show Jacob how much I love Jacob through her. So in reality, the purpose of marriage is not choosing who you want to get from for a lifetime, but it's choosing who you want to give your life to for a lifetime. So what is the purpose of marriage? It's so that God can show his love to my mate through me. And that's why, why is this encouraging? This is why it's so encouraging. I've been married 39 years and 86 days today. No, you, look at me. You should clap. I'm the first man in four generations of my family to be faithfully married to one woman and to stay with her to the end. Now watch this. So I, I want to share with you things that I truly believe can transform the foundations of your marriage if you will allow me to share with you. Can I share with you? Okay, here it is. Okay, number one. Number one, to play together. Say that with me, play together. Fun. Life is way too serious. And marriage and life and children, and teenagers, and teenagers, and teenagers. I, I know how old Abraham's son Isaac was when he went to offer him as a sacrifice to the Lord. He got about 13 or 14, and he said, God, I want to kill him. And God said, good, so do I. Let's do it. 
teenagers, don't take this personally. We're just talking about you. <laughs> You'll grow out of it. Life is too hard. Circumstances are too hard. The whole of life and all that happens around us is way too hard not to enjoy yourself, not to laugh together, not to have fun together, and not to purpose to do that. You, you remember when, 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 you, when you met him, you were intrigued. He was so funny. Why'd you stop laughing? You stopped laughing with him and now you're just laughing at him. You know, the big terms that there are, like, he's my BF, she's, this is my BFF. Two girls, this is my BFF, this is my B, guys, this is my BFF, my boy. Listen to me. Do you know who your real BFF is that God gave you? Your mate. Your mate. Your mate. Your real BFF that God himself has given you is your mate. Play makes emotional deposits into your account. Many of you here are starving from emoting. Let me, let me explain that. Usually if I was doing a seminar here today, maybe one day I'll come back and we'll do it on a weekend, I would reach over and I'd have something in a bag and I'd say, I want to show you something right here that really, really, really is going to change your life. And I'd talk about it until you were going, what's in the bag? And I'd pull it out and it is a cup. Because the first thing that Michelle and I do almost every morning is we sit down and we have coffee. What are you doing? What's happened with the kids? What did, you, did you beat him? Okay, what are we going to do that? Okay, punishing him, all right? He's in timeout. She's getting, I mean, you just, you're just emoting, emotionally connecting. What happens to us so many times, man, is we have an emotionally connected, we want to physically connect, and we wonder why our wives feel violated. They want to emotionally connect with us. Fun enables that. We all gravitate, all of us gravitate from pain to pleasure, from sadness to fun. Everyone does. Proverbs 17, 22 says it like this. A happy heart is what? Say it loud. It's what? And a joyful mind causes what? healing, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. I was listening to a Harvard study two days ago that followed people for 75 years from their graduate years in Harvard to 90 to 100 years old today. Every one of them that were in stressful situations continually in relationships of marriage, their bodies broke down. It dries up the bones. Dr. Jacob wants to prescribe something for you. Go get your mate and have a bunch of fun. Number two, to lay together, to lay together. Ephesians 4, 26 says this, and don't sin, okay? Remember, this is, a pres this is prescriptive. He's saying don't sin. Here's what I want you to avoid. And don't sin by what? Letting anger, what? It's amazing it doesn't say don't get angry. Because anger is a natural emotion that happens when we feel violated, disappointed, hurt, when we feel anxiety. Oh, that's normal. But he's saying, don't let anger control you. And then he's going to give us a prescription how. Don't let the sun go down while you are what? Still angry, for it gives a <clears throat> foothold to what? I heard a guy one time on TV who'd been married for over 50 years say, my wife and I have never gone to bed angry one night. I'm like, what's the secret? He said, you want to know the secret? I said, yeah, I'm listening. Yes. He goes, I stayed up one night for three weeks. <clears throat> Listen carefully to me. Listen carefully to me. Here's, here's what happens if you don't resolve things night after night after night. In the Jewish day, the day begins at 6 o'clock, so it's actually when it gets dark. That's what he was referring to. Don't let it get dark without dealing with it. Because what happens is things happen in our lives, and they become like cement. You know what cement is? It's sand, martyr, rocks, water. And as soon as it pours, you can move it anywhere. But when it sets overnight, it becomes hard. Do you know what the number one cause of divorce is? You Google. What is the number one cause of divorce? 
You can. I, I, I did it at four in the morning. This morning, I did. Just to reestablish that I was right. You know what it is? Resentment and indifference or hardness. It's things that I let lie and go over and over. And you don't realize what they're doing. Listen to me. It's killing your good emotions. It's killing romance. It's killing your sex life. When you let those rocks settle and get hard and you don't pluck them out and steward them like weeds out of the garden, then the enemy gains a foothold and he begins to crowd out your garden and there becomes so much poison ivy and cactus that you forget it was under ever once a garden of pleasure. You, you can't allow that to happen. And so he says, don't let the devil get a foothold. In other words, don't let him start planting stuff in your garden. Weed it out. Hardness. Indifference. You know what it'll do? It'll create a lust trap. It'll create a lust trap. Do you know why? Because God created those emotions in your life to be met. And if you don't meet them in a right way, all sin is, is meeting a God-given need in a wrong way. That's all it is. You can clap. Thank you. Go ahead. So today, I want to give you an opportunity to address those things. Some of you need to address some of those things now. See, there are people here that are confronters and there are people who are avoiders, but it doesn't Take away what's there. It still must be addressed. You can either become a peacemaker or a peacekeeper. Peacekeeper is, oh, I don't want to deal with that. Peacemaker is, I know this is going to be hard, but I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to pull it up out of our garden because if I don't, it will destroy the garden of romance that God has given me. Listen, life's too hard not to have a great romantic life. My wife calls me. Pastor Casanova. <laughs> hey, everything they say about dark-skinned men, it's all true. <laughs> you know what they say, once you go brown, you don't want nobody else around. <laughs> Give your mate something to dream about. Enjoy this part of your life together in romance. Come on. How about a little afternoon delight? I've been at the church office and Michelle's called me and goes, you want to come home? I'm, go, I'm going. What do you have? They're canceled. Everything's canceled. We can walk in and go, Pastor, we had a counseling appointment. I said, I'm going to be counseled right now. Hey. Is it possible that the reason your children are trapped in lust is because they've never seen real romance? Lust is circumstantial. Romance is predictable and worked at like a good garden, and it yields fruit year after year after year. My wife looks at me, and she goes, you're sick. And I go, I know I've been sick for 39 years. Keep praying I don't get well. <laughs> Blessed is the woman who has a husband who has eyes for only her. Listen, she's not going to be able to fit in those skinny jeans anymore. You know, those ones that she wore so tight, you put a dime in the back pocket, you can read the date on it. <laughs> you, you, you remember those days. And look, you had hair and you could wear a muscle shirt back then. It's okay. But guess what you get now? You get planned Romance. You know what Pastor Steve and I's job is? Pastor Steve and I's job is to keep people who aren't married out of bed and get people who are married back in bed. <laughs> Do you know that one survey revealed that 50% of marriages ended out of boredom? Boredom. Michelle and I, I used to live on the road 15 to 25 days a month for 20 years as an evangelist, speaking to young people all over. That's when I met Pastor Steve. I would listen to young people pour out their hearts. I was speaking on sexual purity and abstinence, and, and, and I would hear by the thousands each week people pouring their heart out to me. Listen, I had to guard my heart, and she had to guard our relationship. 
If Michelle was here right now, which she's usually with me when I'm doing this talk, you know what she'd say? She'd say, ladies, listen, you, you get up and you take care of your children when you don't feel like it. You get them breakfast when you don't feel like it. You pack their lunches when you don't feel like it. You go, check, I packed their lunch, check, I got their clothes ready, check. She said, just take up, take care of your husband. Check, he got taken care of. <laughs> love may have started as an emotion, but in the end, mature love becomes a decision. Genesis 2.18, God says it's not good for a man to be alone. It's not good. It's not good. So we need to play together, and we need to... Let me just say this. I, I've, I've only been counseling people for 48 years, but I've never met any couple that got married because they had too much sex. And I've never met a couple that got divorced because they had too much sex. Ever. It is always an indicator of the willingness on two parties to die to themselves to consider their oneness greater than any of their personal preferences. Number three, number three, pray together. Pray together. How, how many of you would like to divorce proof your marriage? What, the rest of you are just, what? How many of you would like to ensure that when you get married, there is almost a zero chance probability of you getting divorced? How many of you would like that? Raise your hand. Okay. I'm going to tell you how to do that. I'm actually going to tell you how to do that. How many first-time marriages, if 100 people get married, 100 couples, how many end in divorce? 50 to 60%. How about second marriages? 60 to 70%. How about third marriage? It just continues to escalate with the number. But what if I told you that you could do something that would take you out of the 50% and put you in the category of one out of every 1,500 couples? A study done over 20 years ago showed that couples that prayed together regularly, listen to this, couples that prayed together regularly, one out of every 1,500 got divorced. Why? Is it the words? No, it's you're inviting God's presence into your relationship. You're inviting God's presence into your relationship. There are people, you might argue, but when some people come over to your house, you're going, I'm not arguing in front of them. When you invite God's presence into your relationship, it becomes a deterrent. It guards, it weeds your heart. I'm amazed at people. I, I, there are men who have hundreds of employees, even thousands that I pastor. There are pro athletes that I pastor and high profile people as well as people in the hood. And I'll ask them this question. Do, do y'all pray together? I asked a, a doctor and his wife seated across from Michelle and I on Friday night, do y'all pray together? You would think I asked them, did y'all have sex before y'all got married? <laughs> Look, they almost went to praying in tongues. They were like, I don't, well, at dinner, come on, heathen pray at dinner. Look at me. Well, why is this so important? Look, how many of you have ever heard your mate cuss at you? Don't raise your hand. Don't point. Don't raise your hand. Don't point. Please, please. Come on, Baton Rouge. I see you over there. Don't do that. Well, watch this. Don't. Of course you've heard them cuss. Of course you've probably said things. How many of you have seen them unclothed? Don't raise your hand. If you can see them naked, and if you can hear them curse, you can surely hear them pray with you. Now, I know that some of you here, your men going, I know something like this is going to happen. Okay, I don't even know how to do that. All right, well, listen to me. I took this couple on Friday night and I said, let me show you what I'm talking about. I said, give me your hand. And the lady looks at me like, yes, said, yes, your hand. She handed me her hand. I said, here it is. I'm going to show you the prayer Michelle and I pray every night. 
We take each other by the hand. God, I pray for Jacob, Amy, Lily, Christian, Alex, Eli, Finley, Kate, Baby Shiloh, Joseph, Rochelle, John Wesley, Wesley who's in your arms, Timothy Haddon, and Amberly Grace. I pray a hedge over them, protect them. Lord, thank you for my wife, my gift from God to walk this journey with. And if I know someone or she does who's struggling with, with cancer or some life threatening thing, we pray for that right then. And that's it. I don't worry. Just pray for the people that you love. Let's start there. Let's start there. And listen, if you're a little concerned, pray in our Father. That church doesn't have a copyright on the Lord's Prayer. You know, just, just, just pray it. You know, our Father, what do we just, just start somewhere. By doing that, you are acknowledging and inviting God's presence into your life. Why? Because you're going to get a phone call. You're going to get a phone call in the middle of the night. You're going to get a doctor's report. You're going to hear about your mama, your daddy, a loved one, some friend, and you're going to be, want to be able to create that bridge to where immediately you don't internalize all of this, but instead you cast it on the one who cares for you, loves you, and can do something about it. We will play together. Come on. We will lay together. And we will... Pray together. I believe that the greatest deterrent in praying together, you know what it is? Is you got to deal with those rocks before they set and get hard, that cement. Because it's real hard to pray with somebody when you're not right with them. You, you know what I'm talking about? How many of you ever gone to bed and things weren't right? And like that little space this far between you and her in bed seemed like the distance between New York and England. And like you, you were just laying there and you knew you were turned this way and she was turned that way. And, and I mean, you were just hoping like you'd get a little toe action or something, just something like a little pinky, but like just she would have accidentally just go in the night and go and accidentally hold your hand and you go, okay, that's a peace sign. That means something good. Can, can I tell you, listen, listen carefully, I'm going to tell you. The devil is called the accuser of the brethren. Let me translate that a different way. He's the accuser of the people that can help you. So when you have that separation and isolation, the accuser is lying to them about you and you about them. Can you believe that? Let me tell you something. Me, if, if, let me tell you what. That girl you married and you dated in high school is so hot right now. If she would have seen what you've done with your life, she'd be all over you. She'd be doing anything that you want her to do. Here you are separated. But she's ungrateful for everything. You pulled her out of a trailer over in Karen Crow. And now look where she's at. Up in Mandeville, sitting up here. This big old plush area. And she got boats and everything and servants and handmaidens that could go wherever she wants. And here you are laying right here, and you can't even touch her. <laughs> and then the devil's telling you over there in a girl voice. Because the devil got a girl voice too. <laughs> and the devil's going, no woman would put up with what you're putting up with. The stuff you put up with him for him to build that business and to do all of that, a hundred women would have left him by now. And you stayed right beside him. And now look and see how he's treating you. What's amazing is the devil's only the accuser of the people that can help you. He never accuses the people that can hurt you. He never says, nasty Nikki's coming. Stay away from me. She get that leopard skin on. <laughs> oh, it's Friday night. Drunk Donald just called. You know what he wants to do. The devil never accuses those people. He only accuses the people that can help you. And your mate is a helpmate. And you need them to help you. This is finally number four. Number four, stay together. So the first one is? Second one? Third one, fourth one is, do, do you know that duration brings appreciation? Hey, can I ask you a question? What did you think till death do us part meant? <laughs> to one argument, till a fallout, till they did something you couldn't imagine? What did you think for better or for worse meant? That's your vows. That's your vows. Listen carefully to me. 
We've walked through some life together. I have children that have disappointed me. We have a child that got divorced and destroyed our heart. We've lost a child at 20 years old that was killed in an accident. Do you know what the enemy wants to do every time we've gone through difficulty? He wants to separate me from the one God gave to help me. From the very beginning, that helpmate. And Michelle and I have a slogan. United, we're undefeated. When you go through things with your kids, the devil's not after your kids. Your kids are going to make it if you make it. He's after you. If he can destroy you, then he's got the kids too. They're line up. They're a little extra. They're a little more. But you is who he's after. I tell Michelle, united, we're undefeated. And if we don't quit, we win. There really is no reason for me to be here today. My wife's family, my wife, her name was Michelle Baudouin. Little Cajun girl I met when I was 12 years old. Now, that's a little old in Lafayette to not be married. <laughs> she heard me speak in the Lafayette Municipal Auditorium called the Hyman Foreman Arts Center now. I was 19. She was just turning 13. I came and I sat down in a chair in a big building just like this and I sat down right about where you are and her and her mama were behind us and I looked over at her and she was a girl in pigtails that hadn't even blossomed into womanhood. And I said, well, you're a cute little girl. Never thought another thing about it. Her mom and dad began encouraging me in our youth outreach throughout the city and, and ultimately she would graduate from high school and go to her freshman year of college and come back and propose to me and I humbly submitted my body as a sacrifice to procreate Cajun Mexicans forever. It was my regular service unto the Lord. It was hard, but I was willing to do it for Jesus. Michelle's parents were married for over 50 years. She lived in the same house that her parents lived in all of her life. Her grandparents of her moms lived next door for over 50 years. Across the street, her other grandparents lived for over 50 years. Everybody in my family's been divorced. My sisters got pregnant 13, 14, and 15. My brother was my hero, was a drug dealer. My dad, a womanizer. My, great, my grandfather, previous to the end of his life, when he gave his life to Christ, was a womanizer. My great-grandfather ran off with Pancho Villa in Mexico and left his family. True story. There's no reason why I should be here. There's no reason why someone like her should even want to be connected to anyone like me. But one reason. The blood of Jesus Christ and the cross that changes everything. It changes everything. In 1985, my wife's father, Brian Baudouin, went to church every day of his life, but he couldn't get free from alcoholism. He was separated for several months from his wife, who had seven children, and everyone was telling her, divorce him. One day after leaving church again and still nothing inside of him changing, going every day, he drove by a church like this beginning and he walked in and he, he said, could somebody help me? Somebody said, well, yes. Could, what do you need? He said, I, I pray every day. I have a wife and seven children that I'm separated from and I'm an alcoholic. Could somebody help me? And the pastor took him in and prayed with him to be born again. He went home, called his wife said, would you come with me to this meeting tonight? She went and was born again. Today, four of their seven children have been or are in full-time Christian service. All of their grandchildren are serving the Lord, and half of them are in full-time ministry together because of that one decision. 
is waiting on you? Who is waiting on your legacy? Who is waiting on you to make a decision to be committed to God's way and to this book for a lifetime? Would you bow your head with me, Father? I pray right now. I want every married man here to take your wife by the hand. I pray for every marriage now. The enemy hates this. You sent help to each man and woman that's here. Yes, it's frail. Yes, there's faults. Yes, there's sins and cracks and crevices all throughout the foundation because some of us aren't broken. All of us are broken, and we live in a broken world. But the same God who breathed into the dust of the earth can breathe upon us and make us all over again when we're born again. I pray for every child represented by the mom that's here and dad, every grandchild and great-grandchild represented by those here today. And I thank you that today I stand here because of the legacy of a man who wasn't satisfied with religion. He wanted a relationship with God. And when he was born again, that changed everything. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then he said, don't be surprised that I tell you, you must be born again. Have you been born again? You say, Pastor, I've been christened, I've been baptized, I've joined the church. Isn't that good enough? That's a great start. But what Jesus told a religious man named Nicodemus in John 3, 3 was, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of heaven and you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. What was he saying? He was saying, Nicodemus, you're spiritually dead even though you're religious. Every person born since Adam and Eve has been born spiritually dead. Mother Teresa was born spiritually dead. Billy Graham was born spiritually dead. And so we must begin our spiritual journey by becoming spiritually alive, by being born again. Have you been born again? You say, Pastor, how can I do that? It's as easy as A, B, C. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ became your sin bearer. Either he died for your sin or you will die with your sin. Someone will die for your sin. C, confess Christ as your Lord and Savior as you turn away from sin to be born again. Today can be your day to begin your spiritual journey to change your legacy, just like Brian Bodwin, my father-in-law, did in 1985. So in the count of three, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I, I've never prayed to be born again. Again, I may have been christened, baptized, joined the church, but I've never prayed to be born again. Pastor, would you pray for me today? I want today to be the day I'm born again. It only happens once, just like the day you were born. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand real high and put it back down. And by doing that, you're simply saying, pray for me to be born again today. One, God brought you here. It's not an accident. Two, it's not an accident that Jimmy Evans isn't here and that I'm here. God knew what you needed today. Three, if that's you, lift it high. Come on, pastor, pray for me. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Keep it up high. 17, 18, 19. Hi, 20, 21, 22, 23. Now put your hands down. Last 15 seconds. Pastor, I didn't raise these hands with these 23, but I should have. My heart's about to beat out of my chest. I know this is what I need. If that's you, I want you to raise it and wave it at me right now so I can see you. If you've already raised your hand, keep it down. But wave it at me so I can see you. 23, 24, anywhere else, wave it at me so I can see it. All right. Church, let's pray out loud with all of those that raise their hand to be born again. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, in a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, and I'm born again in Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed hearing from Jimmy Evans. And if you'd like more information on joining a Four Laws of Love small group, you can simply text CONNECT to 822-822. There'll be a link on there that you can sign up to join a group that's close to you. That's right. Once again, thank you guys so much for being here. Don't forget, jump into a Four Laws of Love group. We have them if you're near one of our physical locations, or of course, we're going to have groups that offer them online. So we want to help you get connected into that. So once again, guys, thank you so much for being here. Have a great week. We can't wait to see you next week at Church of the King.